0: We are come together now to look once again at the uh, um, some of the uh, things said and done during that last week. As uh, Roger said in his meditation, uh, in as far as the calendar goes, this is Palm Sunday, leading up to that 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 final week. Uh, lots of different ways of describing it. Passion Week is one that we hear. But we've been going through that the last few Sundays, and we are to the point now, uh, and I pray that this has been uh, informative for those uh, uh, those here and those that have joined us on, on the Internet, as far as this lesson goes, just to look at it again in light of Scripture, and, um, and see it because every time you re- read it and reread it, you get um, you get new things. You have more emotional uh, things there that we see and hear. So our text begins this week uh, on. If, if I'm going to give you a date, if this was the the date that it was then, if we went back, they didn't use the months, the, the same months, the names that we use. The days were about the same, um, and the years were were different. Um, they were their years started uh, um, <clears throat> their years started when the the uh, the Greek general of Alexander conquered uh, Jerusalem. Again, they started their their count from that, so they were a ways into it, into the 300s. That was how they took care of time but if we look back and i've done quite a study on this as far as the the positioning of the uh stars and all uh during the, this date it would have been um, uh, the day that we're looking at would be march 28th a.d 31 that and either the day the day and the night of that that's the day before the uh, crucifixion that's where we're at in our reading. Now soon, very soon, the father's solution to the sin problem that had caused uh, the separation between God and mankind uh, was about to be remedied by the blood of Christ. Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, as he died upon the cross and his blood was the redeeming blood for the sins of the faithful that had been awaiting this redemption and that that would look back upon this time knowing that it's the blood of Christ that forgives our sins after the fact as those before. And so this is quite a pivotal time here. That's what we say. Uh, Acts chapter two is the pivot point in the Bible where we see the old, all that came before coming to a point where the kingdom begins the kingdom that has no end um, in the blood of Christ. So as we look at this, we're going to be looking at some of a few verses from chapter eighteen and nineteen of John. The Gospel, I use John because it has more information. During this last week than any of the other Gospels do, um, but they all fill in nicely, if you will. Let's look at uh, let's look at that. The arrest of Jesus is an important part because it brings to a head everything that Jesus had been saying to them uh, over and over again. Every time he did it, caused quite an emotional upset amongst the apostles. Um, and obviously, they didn't want Jesus to be apart from them. Uh, they wanted to continue uh, in this and being with him. And they would continue to be with him, but just not in that physical sense. <clears throat> begins this way. Jesus, having said these things, the teaching of uh, chapters previous, actually the prayer, Uh, Chapter 17 of John is Jesus praying to his Father in heaven. After he said these things, he went out with his disciples beyond the torrent, Cedron, in other words, that's a winter. During the winter, a torrent of water came down through that, that wash. And they went beyond that to the garden, into which he entered, he and his disciples. And Judas also, who delivered him up, knew the place, because Jesus was often there in the company with his disciples. Judas, therefore, having having got the band and the officers of the chief priests and the Pharisees, comes there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that were coming upon him, went forth and said to them, Whom seek ye? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus the Nazarene, excuse me. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas also, who delivered him up, stood with them. When therefore he said to them, I am he, they went away backwards and fell on the ground. He demanded of them. Therefore again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus, the Nazarene. And Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go away. And by these, of course, he means those with him. The other disciples, the eleven, if you will. That the word might be fulfilled which he spoke. As to those whom thou hast given me, I have not lost one of them. Simon Peter, therefore, having a sword, drew it, and smote smote the bondman of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And the bondsman's name was Malchus. Jesus, therefore, said to Peter, Put the sword into the sheath, the cup which the Father has given me, Shall I not drink it? The band therefore and the Chilurik and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to, to Annas first. We'll pause there. The mob is fearful of Jesus because he had the power from God who was in heaven. And, and they knew it. They all knew it. Those people, those guards, and, and the, the soldiers of, remember, these are not Roman soldiers. These are the Jewish soldiers sent by the, the Pharisees and, and the priests. They had their own people, if you will, security people, and they, because now they knew where Jesus was going to be at a specific time through the works of Judas, they went there. But they were obviously fearful of Jesus. Now, why? He was one man standing uh, ahead of another 11 that were back there. Well, there was considerably more that came after him. I think that's that's telling that that tells me that all of the the, the messages that Jesus uh, spoke during those years when he came into Jerusalem and in the area, um, the miracles that they saw, the words that he spoke, the power that was obviously was not just the power of a man, but the power that, as Jesus said over and over again, the father had sent him to say these things. And to do these things, and to to heal, and to uh, defy nature, and calm the storm, and all these things he did through the power that had been delegated to him by the Father in heaven. They knew that, and how do you suppose they felt, is, is that little sword going to be able to uh, take a man that has that kind of power? I'm sure uh, many things were going through their heads. But Jesus makes it easy for them. He makes it very easy. He lets them come. He lets them bind him. He lets them take him away to, to where they were going to take him. And Jesus was going to be questioned that night by Annas, who was the former high priest and one of the, the oldest member of the family, of the priestly family, um, the father-in-law to the high priest, who was Caiaphas. He was going to be questioned also by him. And then Caiaphas had him sent to Pilate. Pilate sent him immediately to Herod when he found out he was a Nazarene. And then Herod sent him back to Pilate once again. Who was the Roman governor, the highest authority of the of the Roman um, Empire in that region? In his region was Palestine, and there were a number of regions. There were a, at least a dozen or more regions within the Roman Empire. Judea and Palestine being one of them. So this is what Jesus had told his disciples that he would be given into the hands of the gentiles. And his apostles and disciples did not want to hear that. But this is exactly what happened. Now let's look let's look further. Go up to verse 33 in this same chapter. Verse 33 We'll, I'll skip ahead through all the questioning of uh, Annas and Kep- uh, Kep- uh, Kephas and then Pilate. But he's back at Pilate now, uh, and where we pick up in verse 33. <clears throat> Pilate is speaking to the Jews previously about why are you bringing him here? What has he done? All, on and on it goes. But Pilate, in verse 33, therefore, entered again into the praetorium and, and called Jesus and said to him, Thou art the king of the Jews? So this was the question. And he had little respect for the Jewish people, and he didn't know their, their politics that well. But everyone was speaking of this kingship that Jesus was speaking about. And Jesus answered him, Dost thou say this of thyself, or have others said it to thee concerning me? Jesus, he he didn't really take it easy on Pilate. He asked him very pointed questions and said very, very strong words to him that really got him thinking. Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thy nation and the chief priests have delivered thee up to me. What hast thou done? Pilate's a pretty good inquisitor himself, right? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants had fought that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But now, my kingdom is not from hence. We're going to go up to verse 38. Pilate therefore said to him, Thou art then a king? Jesus answered, Thou sayest it, that I am a king. I have been born for this, and for this I have come into the world, that I might bear witness to the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And having said this, he went away out again to the Jews and says to them, I find no fault whatever in him. There wasn't any fault to find in Jesus. His explanation of his kingship was um, hard for Pilate to understand, but Pilate believed in 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 the the uh, things outside of the earthly domain himself, and these things these things bothered him. Remember, he was a man that believed in many gods and very very superstitious. His wife had warned him beforehand to have nothing to do with with this man because it would bring him harm. And we've been talking about Pilate for almost 2,000 years uh, about his part in this. Jesus' kingdom is not the temporal kingdom that everyone was used to in those days, but a never-ending kingdom of heaven of which Pilate had no understanding whatsoever. He is a king. And he knows the truth. You know, when Pilate said, what is the truth? Isn't that what people say today and have been saying for century upon century? Because they live in a world where somebody tells them this and then somebody over here tells them that. Which one's the truth? And they don't know themselves? They might not have a way to find out? Many times we take what people Say as the truth but we probably have more work to do we have a lot of homework to do on that truth issue and Pilate's being honest here what is truth he doesn't know we know one thing as far as truth goes when he thinks to the, the, the Caesar of the Roman Empire uh, he doesn't see a lot of truth there what he sees there it's a lot of power, and and that power can destroy him in a, in a heartbeat or keep him in his high position. But that isn't necessarily truth. And the last thing, I think, is the fact that Pilate finds no fault in Jesus. And what fault did the Jews give? The Jews give, he calls himself the Son of God. But Jesus didn't say that. He said he was the son of man. He said he was sent from God and gave all the things that Jesus had been doing for three and a half years. If they had read the prophets of their book, they would have recognized the Messiahship of Jesus of Nazareth without any question because we know it's true. And there were those there in that day that also knew it. They knew it, not by revelation, but by the the, the word itself in defining the things that Jesus would do. The time that he came, because of that, they also knew the end of the Jewish age was coming to an end because these things go hand in hand. The God's Messiah would come and bring a conclusion to the Jewish age where the righteous Jews would be rewarded and the wicked would be punished. That they knew. That was a known fact amongst the Jewish people of that day. But Pilate finds no fault in Jesus. And the only fault they had was they didn't like the message that Jesus was putting out. They were afraid that his words, speaking of the kingdom, would they have a place there? Well, they wouldn't if they were fighting against the things that Jesus said. Remember what Jesus said. He comes not to judge, because everyone will have a judge. It'll be the words that he spoke while he spoke to the Jews. That will judge them. So it comes right back to the idea of the word of God coming from heaven and Jesus speaking those things. And But this wasn't something that Pilate was going to know about. So he was was handed quite quite an issue. And he tried everything he could to have Jesus released because he just didn't believe the charge was valid. There wasn't anything in Roman law uh, that would, if he was doing something that caused the Romans trouble, such as being a seditionist against the Romans and uh, fighting against the soldiers or the other authorities, but Jesus never did that. He submitted to the authorities. He paid the the taxes, uh, the Jewish taxes first, and then whatever the Roman tax was. And yet, Jesus knew something that Pilate didn't. Jesus knew that he had a a real mission there before Pilate, and Pilate saw it in a much different light, I'm sure. So I want to do a few closing verses today. this and this is the the final things between Jesus and Pilate that I think are so incredible Um, chapter 19 just look at the first six verses then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him he thought that would maybe put an end to it he'd have him scourged and, and brought out and they'd say okay okay that's not what they said That wasn't enough. And the soldiers, having uh, plated a crown of thorns, put it on his head and put a purple robe on him and came to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and give him blows on the face. And Pilate went out again and says to them, Lo, I bring him out to you, that you may know that I find in him no fault whatsoever. Jesus therefore went uh, forth without wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And he said to them, Behold the man. When therefore the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate says to them, Take him ye and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Now, in verse 8, it, it picks up. But here we find again, Pilate saying, I find no fault. And he wanted the crucifixion, he wanted the death of this man to be on them, not on him, because there wasn't a Roman authority to put him to death. They had laws, they had a, a senate that set laws for the king, the, uh, the uh, empire, the Roman Empire, that the Roman citizens lived under, and those subject to, the, to Rome also had laws. They were, con- or they were, um, uh, they must obey the laws because remember, Rome was occupying this country. Uh, they were managing it because, frankly, the Jews could not do it themselves. And so, in uh, in verse eight, we pick up. Eight through eleven. When Pilate therefore heard this word, and the word, of course, was again repeated that he is claimed to be the Son of God, and but they have they have no law to to uh, under the Roman authority the Jews could not execute prisoners, or so they were saying. We know that. Uh, that that they did so, but not in front of Pilate. So when Pilate therefore heard the word, he was rather afraid and went into the praetorium again and says to Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate therefore says to him, Speakest thou not to me? Dost thou not know that I have authority to release thee and have authority to crucify thee. Jesus answered, Thou hadst no authority, whatever against me, if it were not given to thee from above. On this account, he that has delivered me up to thee has the greater sin. From this time, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou Release this man, thou art not a friend of Caesar. Everyone makes himself a king. Everyone that makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. Pilate there, therefore, after hearing these words, let Jesus uh, let, led Jesus out and sat down upon the judgment seat. And the Jews would have it no other way. They wanted to have a, a robber and a murderer released instead of Jesus, and uh, Pilate granted this. Pick it up again in, and by the way, I think that whole context shows, uh, shows Pilate, shows us, of course, that but not to the Jews at that time, the fact that Jesus had been sent by God. Without question. Verse 17 through 22. And he went out bearing his cross to the place called, uh, the place called of a skull, which is called in Hebrew uh, Golgotha, where they crucified him. And with him two others, one on this side and one on that. And Jesus in the middle. And Pilate wrote a title also, and put it on the cross. But there was written, Jesus, the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. This title, therefore, many of the Jews read, for the place of the city where Jesus was crucified was near. And it was written in Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. The chief priests of the Jews, therefore, said to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. They were not going to give up even when he was being put to death. Verse 22, Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. And we're still reading it today and we're still understanding today that uh, Pilate was coming to a whole lot more basic understanding, I think, than even the, the the Jewish rulers because they were so opposed to the words of Jesus at that time. And then if we go up, the last passage here, uh, John chapter 19, verse 30, concerning the crucifixion. When therefore Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And having bowed his head, he delivered up his spirit. The Jews, therefore, that the uh, that the bodies may not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for it was the preparation for the day of the Sabbath, was a great day, demanded of Pilate that their legs may be Uh, might be broken and they be taken away. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first and of the other that had been crucified with him. But coming to Jesus when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately there came out blood and water. And he who saw... It bears witness. Now, by the way, this is John the Apostle. This is his eyewitness account to this happening. That's why he says, this is how he phrases it when he says it's uh, first hand or eyesight. He, uh, the one, he who saw it bears witness, and his witness is true. And he knows. Um, by the way, that word "knows" there is Odi. The odai, the strong word <clears throat> that he's. What he says is true. That you also may believe. See, this is the apostolic testimony of the crucifixion. John saw it. I don't know how many others were at a distance and saw anything, but we know that John was there, and these things are recorded and been written that we may believe that these things occurred. Four, these things took place that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again, another scripture, these are Old Testament passages, says that they shall look on him whom they have pierced. And um, that's... um, That's in Zechariah, chapter 12, verse 10. They shall look on him, which is exactly what occurs during the parousia, too, the the visitation of Jesus as it is. Now, the Messiah has completed his task, his task of redemption, because we know as Christians that the blood of Christ being being shed, not spilt. I don't like that, that word spilt when in, in reference to the blood of Christ. Um, it was shed. In other words, it had a purpose. Every drop had a purpose. The entire account had a purpose. For God had said from the beginning, from the beginning, that without the shedding of blood there is no remittance. Of sin. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? Brought sin into the world. Innocent blood was shed to cover their nakedness, to cover their sin. That was a that was a, a problem. That sin brought sin brings death to innocence. Sin in us brings death to our innocence. It brought death to the innocent animals. And that has been the reign of sin from that time on, without redemption, but promised redemption until this moment. That's why we need to look at the cross. Within the world of Christendom, it's become very bad um, very bad manners to speak of the, the crucifixion and the bloody death And on and on it goes, because those are not positive words. But friends, without the crucifixion, there wouldn't be anything positive for anybody at any time. Why? Because God has so ordained that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And friends, that's exactly what it takes. And the apostles went forth at the beginning, uh, at the preaching of the gospel, showing that it's the blood of Christ that forgives sin and as we are born out of heaven into Christ, the blood is applied to each and every soul coming to him as we obey the gospel, the terms of pardon that God has set in his order, not for us to rearrange, to alter, to reword, uh, but to obey. The next week we will look at the resurrection of our Lord and the things that occurred during that time, which are marvelous to our ears, as they say, uh, for it gives us such great hope um, and builds our faith. I pray these words are useful to you today as we've examined the scriptures. Let us be singing blessed assurance in way of invitation and consideration this day. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our US-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues.